gentlemen, welcome into the State of Combat MMA podcast. I am Brandon Wise alongside Sugar Rashad Evans today. No BC, he is still in a foreign country drinking pina coladas out of very fun glasses and ignoring all of my text messages. I'm very upset about that. He, Come on, uh, BC. <laughs> we try to let him know everything that happened this weekend. He has no idea. He's lost. He doesn't even know Kane Velasquez is now in WWE. There's uh, there's so much going on that he needs to know uh, about. But you know what? Good for him. He needed he needed a vacation with his family. We're all for it. But Brandon Wise will be here with you today with Sugar Rashad Evans, giving you everything you need to know about past weekend with 243, looking ahead to this weekend in Tampa, as well as everything else in the world of MMA. And we'll do so right after this. And we're back. Rashad, how you doing, man? It's been it's been a fun weekend of MMA. There was a lot to happen in a two day span. You had Bellator on Friday with Andre Koreskov and and Lorenz Larkin, and then obviously Saturday night with UFC 243 and Israel Adesanya's breakout performance. Yeah, busy uh, weekend, MMA weekend, and uh, exciting one at that. You know, uh, but the highlight of the weekend goes to Israel, uh, uh, the style bender. I mean, you know, this kid, you know, and I said it, and I said it last week. I said, you know, this kid is something special. We're seeing, you know, the new development, the new, the new development of an athlete, you know, the next stage of what MMA athletes will become. Mm-hmm. We're looking at it right now, you know, what he can do as far as, you know, with his movement and his timing and just, you know, his vision being out there and his creativity is head and shoulders above the competition. And you, you've seen how much better he's gotten since he's fought in, you know, Kelvin Gastelum. You know what I'm saying? They're inside the pocket. You know, that, that's one area where he worked on, you know, it, it looked like inside the pocket, he was a lot more confident. His base was stronger and he was able to generate some power inside that pocket. You know, when he was fighting Gesselum, it was like as if he was getting pushed back inside the pocket. And that's why he was getting caught on the outside by Calvin when he was rushing. Well, he even got caught in this fight, right? Like, yeah. he gets caught with that hook as he's trying to bend backwards, but he's still like his, his computer brain, like he just feels it. Gets clipped, and as he's falling back, he hits him with his own two hooks that n- ends up Beautiful. knocking out Whitaker. Yeah. Like I, I don't think we've seen that kind of action before. Now, you know, it, it's a, it's a quick counter punching, but you know what? What is the the reason why he's able to counter so well is because of the fact that you know he stays nice and relaxed. Being relaxed, he was so calm, so relaxed. He's able to see everything. Mm-hmm. So then, when Robert came with the combination, even though he may have glanced one. Being relaxed, let him being able to see the rest of them, and he was able just to move his regular movement and being able to throw off of that movement as well. But you know what I like about the style bender is the fact that you know this guy he could have fought so many different ways from the outside using his feints and uh, fakes and feints to draw out the fight and make it a long fight. You know, fighting from the outside and, and making Robert really have to close the distance. Robert did have to close the distance, but it was more or less to a a style bender who didn't give up too much space, mm-hmm. who who kind of gave the impression that he was a lot further away than what he really was. And then when Robert came up on him, he was almost too congested to let go his combination. And then it, it was perfect range for a style bender to lean back and then land a combination of his own in the counter. So I made this point on Saturday when we were doing an instant analysis at, right after the, the fights. And I I kind of got... Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez vibes where Mm. it felt like Israel came into that fight knowing how much better he was than Robert and Robert wasn't ready for the moment where it kind of felt like the weight of it all just kind of hit him where he said he's trying to set up those combinations with his counter with his punches and that high leg kick and it just wasn't there like he caught him with that hook and right before the knockout but before that it just didn't feel like he was touching Israel at all. He he wasn't touching him, and the main reason why he wasn't touching him was because you know I said it be going in, going into this fight. You know, ring rust is real. Mm-hmm. Ring rust is real, and it does slow you down. So it slows you down because you don't have the timing, the movement, and everything else like that, and you don't have the confidence behind that timing and movement to land a shot or any combinations. But coupled with his uh, ring rust, there there is this. You know, he didn't get style bender. On his time, as Roy Jones would say, you got to put him on your time. Put him on your time. <laughs> That's why you got to say, put him on your time. And by that, he means get him faking and fainting on your rhythm. Once you yeah. have a guy faking and fainting on your rhythm, then you're able to dictate when the combination is going to be or if there's going to be a combination because you have him, in essence, in your trick bag. 
But what happened was Robert didn't, he never got really too fresh. He got some, cause, cause Robert has that freshness. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He has that, that suave, that kind of, you know, that, that, that smoothness to a style. That explosion. He, yes. So when you're fighting somebody who is smooth like that, like a style bender, you got to match him with that smoothness, but don't get too cute. Like Anderson Silva, that, that we're watching a better style bender, but the reason why that fight went as long as it did is because Anderson Silva, Gave Stylebender a lot of pause. He, he with his fakes and feints and his movement, it didn't it didn't allow Stylebender to just have his movement and then do what he wanted to do. He had to kind of wait to see what Anderson Silva was going to bounce back with. So it's interesting you bring that up because Brian and I that that's something we've actually held against him. Right? Is that he didn't go out there and finish a very old Anderson Silva at this point. Anderson's almost forty four, I think now, and we didn't see that awe-inspiring performance from him but you mentioned that where he gave where anderson's giving israel a lot to think about in those moments and it kind of makes sense right because he's able to land everything he's wanted to so far in the ufc right against brad tavares against mario uh martin vittori and against kelvin gaslam he landed whatever he wanted but anderson silva gave him problems because of that speed and those counter setups that you're talking about yeah so and that i mean and, and to robert's credit you know I, I take my hat off to him because there's nothing harder in the world when you have your heart set on a fight like this. And, and you, and I know this because my, my heart was in this place when I fought John Jones. You know, I, it was a big emotional fight mm-hmm. and the world was watching and, you know, there's some trash talking involved and I lost and I had to wear that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, when you put yourself on a line and you really believe that you're going to do it, Everything in you believes that you're going to do it. And when you don't do it and when it doesn't turn out the way you want it to, or it turns out worse than you ever could have imagined, then that's when, you know, the repair starts. Okay, how do I get over this? And he handled it. He handled that process like amazing because the sooner you can accept what happened, the sooner you can wear it, the sooner you can say, hey, no excuses here. I'm not going to wear one. You, you can't put one on me. I don't care if you're in the back room with me and you see me throwing up. Don't let me hold that excuse. You get what I'm saying? Because yeah. the, the more you purge yourself from those excuses, the better it's going to be for your return. And I think that's what Robert Return he's setting up right now. I mean, if you saw the videos of him post-fight and, and backstage when he's talking about the loss and how much it hurt, you could just feel the emotion coming out of him because, like you said, he put so much into this fight. He had such high hopes for himself to perform at his best and for it to end the way it did, it's just it's got to be heartbreaking. And I hope that you're right. I hope that he goes back to the drawing board. He he figures out what he did wrong, what was what was wrong in his process getting into the fight. And I hope he comes back and he gets another chance to fight for the belt again. Listen, when Robert Whitaker is at his best, and I watched a lot of Robert Whitaker's fights because I was just trying to figure out like how did he get so good out of nowhere, just yeah. kind of quietly, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But when I look back at Robert Whitaker in his progression, what made Robert Whitaker change was that that suave, that suave style, that 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 motion that he was able to generate, and then with the up jab and all those punches that he had from that movement. Mm-hmm. That movement is the key to Robert Whitaker being able to get back in a position to compete, legitimately compete with a, with the Israel mm-hmm. because he he has the skills, but it's just that. That other level, that other thing that he was missing, and that could have been, you know, the ring rust outside the cage and not having that confidence and in his movement, you know? All those things could have contributed, but, I mean, the style bender, man. <laughs> How did he come out? was so dope. Oh, my gosh. That was amazing. You loved it? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So, okay. So, I kind of poured water on it on okay. Saturday night. You I, would. So, <laughs> <laughs> but my point was more like, we've seen this fail for fighters in the last like month and a half where they do some crazy elaborate thing before they come out and then they're out of gas by the time they get to the octagon like Michelle Pereira but and on top of that it's a rugby stadium so their walkouts were like 200 yards from the from the from the back tunnel to the cage so it's like you got to still go all that way after you did all those dance moves oh yeah and it's just like to me I was I was a little upset about it but I get it. I get what he's doing. I get that he's trying to become this crossover superstar. I hope he does. I just want to see it translate now in the States because I haven't felt like people have really cared about his fights up until this point. Right. I hope that this like 
persona that he's got does translate because UFC needs another star like this. They need this guy to be something. And for him to fight Paulo Costa next, which I think is going what they're going to look at booking, I mean, that needs to be an absolute brawl. Like, they need that to be like a fight of the year contender like he had against Kelvin Gastelum if mm-hmm. they really think that this is going to be a star because they need those kinds of moments. And I didn't really feel like this was a moment for him. It was a decisive, dominant victory with that finishing knockout. But it didn't feel like it translated because you just felt like the crowd just just sunk after that win. Like the whole arena was there for was, Robert. It was listen, weird. Listen, I don't know. We must have been watching a different thing because <laughs> what I seen, I seen a man completely just take over the whole entire arena. And what, and I seen it from the beginning. From the beginning, when the walkout came, he came and he just kind of announced. Just by his movement, just by going out there and dancing, that that was his house. And Robert yeah. came out second, but when he came out, it was kind of like, I want to see, this. <laughs> I want to rewind that and see what the yeah, style yeah. bender did. I, I get you it. Get, and here's but what, and but here's my what, point is, like, they booed him when he was announced. They, they booed him when he announced, but here's the thing, what I like about what he's doing. Yes, it's entertaining. Yes, you can get burned out to the cage doing it, but he's having fun. Yeah. And when an athlete is having fun like that, and he's that talented... That is some scary stuff because it's all about fun. Mm-hmm. And, and when we tend to make it about everything else, that's when competing gets really, really hard. That's when competing gets not fun. That's when it, it gets, that's when we start to run into problems. But as long as you see this kid going out there with all this energy, hitting some dance moves like he's on, like he's on, uh, like one of those <laughs> dance movies, you know what I'm saying? Like he, like, I mean, that's what, that's what, I like to see because with him, I know it's going to translate. I know him dancing, yes, for entertainment, but it's also pumping it up because he believes in his mind mm-hmm. that he's some kind of superhero. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and you know what? He just might be. He might be. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, he might just be that next level superstar like we've been talking about. He might be the first one of these, like, Zabit Magomed Sharapovs who just gets to the top and now but you can't touch here, him. Here's what I've seen. I've seen, listen. The UFC crown has been, I guess, it's it's just been in in just in midair, just floating, right? Mm-hmm. Just just no one has been able to grab it. You know, Connor's been out doing his thing. Habib, he had it for a little bit, but you know, it, it just you know him not being busy as he as he was. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's just been up there, just floating. And then Israel comes in at the performance last this this past weekend, and he claims that crown. He's got that crown, you know. Now, now, I mean, now he's grabbed it, and everyone is like, "That is the biggest star." There's you think, no, you think so? One hundred. You think he's bigger than John Jones right now? A thousand percent. Really? A thousand percent bigger than John Jones. That to me, that's just surprising. Because, because here, here's why. Here's why. John Jones, athletic. Why? I mean, what he's done in the octagon. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, head and shoulders above the rest, right? Mm-hmm. But the other things. That, that come with John Jones, people are not so much of a fan of. So when you're talking about who holds that crown of just, you know, having that, uh, endorsement and endearment by the fans and just having that, that, wow, can you know what I'm saying? Cause here's, you know, the style bender, he's, he's perfect. I mean, I don't want to say perfect because I don't want to jinx him. No one's perfect, but you know, he says the right things. He does the right things. And he's real. He's himself. And people can see that he's himself. And they gravitate towards that. I think that he is saying, I mean, I mean, no doubt about it. He's his biggest star in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, I, I get your argument. I just, I, I want to see it for more than six fights, you know, because it's all, like, that's the crazy thing about it, right? Rashad is like, it's been six or seven fights in the UFC all since like last year. So this is all in a two-year window where he's just all of a sudden exploded to the top. But even if it's only for right now, no one's still done what he's done. Yeah. No one ever came <laughs> off and set it off like that when it came out in the arena. That was cold. I mean, that was like, wow, am I watching a movie? Yeah. That was like a movie. For yeah. real. That was like a movie. And it, he did it perfectly. He did, yeah, it he was didn't like mess a movie. it up. It was like a movie. He didn't mess up at all. And then even his like his posture and his stare afterwards is like, yo. I was like, yo, Robert is about to catch that <laughs> business. 
And I mean, the whole thing with him getting announced by Bruce Buffer, hearing the booze, and then pretending to take out a notepad to write this down and remember this moment, it, it was it was good. No, well, I, you, you know that you know that, that that's like the death note. Yeah, you ever yeah, see, yeah. You ever see that that, that uh, animation, the death note, <laughs> and he writes down whoever whoever uh, whoever he wants to kill. He writes their name down yeah. in, in a book, and then they end up being and destroyed. So so in a hypothetical, is there a middleweight right now that you think could? Or has the style to take out the style bender? I think, honestly speaking, I think uh, you know styles make matchups, and I think that for some reason, I think that um, his hardest fight will continue to be Kelvin Gastelum. Really? For some reason, I, I think I think that um, uh, I, I, because here's the thing: I, I mean, they they went there with each other, mm-hmm. you know, and that that imprint is is there. You know, and by that I mean the next time Israel fights him, if they ever should fight again, he's gonna remember that. Mm-hmm. So remember that pause that I saying that 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 you may get because somebody's posture and the way they move. Well, sometimes you get a pause just because of you know that what, what's gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes you're like, all right, man, I'm all right. and then you just like, and then you go. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? But yeah. but you got pause because you know what what you're up against. And I think that's what he may have with Kelvin Gastelum. But that remains to be seen. You know, we still got to see Kelvin compete after that performance. Um, but, you know, I, I love, I love the, uh, the Ricky Martin Paula Costa. I mean, <laughs> l- listen, listen, this guy is, is, is everything they need in a weight class right now because he's, you know, he's, he's got that, he's got this look, you know, he's a good looking guy, but he's kind of a heel, but you kind of like him. You know what I'm saying? There, there's, there's so many, you know, different dualities with this guy, but he's almost the perfect nemesis for uh the style bender. You know what I'm saying? It couldn't be written better. It's like a it's like a um animation movie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. And my thing is like I'm I've been a big Paulo Costa fan up until this point. But if this is the fight that they end up booking next, I don't think he's got a shot. I really don't think he has any he what what's different about his game as opposed to Robert Whitaker? Like Israel is just that much faster yeah. and 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 dynamic when it comes to his striking game. Like the Paulo Costa Yoel Romero fight was amazing just because it was an all-out brawl. But Israel's not going to get baited into that. He's going to elude and evade all those shots and then hit his counters, I feel like. And here's the most impressive thing about Israel is the fact that you know, I I said it earlier about him fighting inside of the pocket. You know, and and that's something he didn't do too well in the Kelvin Gastelum fight because he got busted up a bit. Mm-hmm. But you see Israel change his styles, no matter you know who, whoever he's fighting. So it's like, what 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 opponent is Paulo Costa going to have to prepare him for? Is he going to have to prepare for a long, rangy, fast in and out Israel mm-hmm. with those attacks, or he's going to have to stand somebody to bang, or he's going to stand with somebody who can trip or use all his slickness? And you know, it, it, there's so many styles that this guy can fight in. And, you know, you, you have Paulo who, who has that powerful style, but he's got a lot of muscle. Yep. And all that muscle, it takes energy. He was fighting another muscle man in Yoel Romero, so they kind of gassed together. <laughs> but you, you're not going to see somebody like Stylebender gas because he's, he's efficient. Yep. Like, like, like them, them long arms. It's all about efficiency. You know, John Jones got the body. He's efficient. You know what I'm saying? He, does, he doesn't have to use too much energy to do the same thing someone much shorter has to do. You know, exactly. that's the same thing Stylebender has. And that's my, and yeah, like that is exactly what my biggest concern is for Paulo in that fight is he's going to go in there, bull rush at, at Israel and get gassed in like a round right. because he's just, he's just going to overexert trying to catch him and he won't catch him and then you put the emotion on top of it oh i hate them, i hate them i hate them and all those emotions and yep. all that rage boy i tell you what i tell you what when you bring emotions into a fight you know people at home when you have that kind of emotion into a fight it's like the first 30 seconds you feel like you just went two rounds and then mm-hmm. after that 30 seconds you look up and it's like only 30 seconds off the clock you just like how am I going to go four minutes and 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same in football, right? When yeah. when you're playing a big rivalry opponent and the first kickoff or the first series, you have all that adrenaline and you run in and then you get through the first series, you don't do anything. And you're just like, oh, man, we still got a full game to play. Yes. You know, it's 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 tough. It's tough to have that kind of heat stay with you throughout the it whole sure fight. Is, man. It so sure he, is. So 
Israel was also on Ariel Hawani's show yesterday, and he said that he's got three or four more fights before he starts going to chase John Jones. He also said that John Jones is acting like the senior looking at the freshman getting all the <laughs> style and wanting to go after that. Now, we've talked about it before with you where right now, that's not a good fight. That that feels like a very bad fight for Israel if he decides that he wants to move up to 205 for that. But in a few months or in a year or so, how do you think that looks? Do you think Israel is able to put on a little bit of muscle and, and stay with John in, in that length and speed? I mean, listen, John Jones, you know, to to dismiss what John Jones is would be a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. for for one, if you're comparing the styles, you know, uh, for whatever edge that Israel has on the feet, John Jones may have that on the ground. You know, and that and that's where the dynamic goes. And then it goes to okay, well, how how would Israel be able to stay on his feet? Could John Jones take him down? You know, then John Jones is one of the, is the best wrestler in two or five. He took down DC mm-hmm. multiple times. Who was you know the technically the best wrestler? So you know you know John Jones be able to get him down. So then it's like okay, well size will be an issue. So right now would not be the right time for <laughs> for that fight to happen, just because of the fact that Israel may be so outmatched. But like I said, this kid, this guy, grows so fast. And, and we've seen him just, you know, grow into the star right before our eyes. You know, one fight we're like, oh, he can be that guy. Next fight we're like, whoa, we've never seen nothing like it. Right. Imagine what's going to come in two or three fights when he gets the confidence. And even physically speaking, looking at his body, this fight was different than it was two or three fights. You know, his physically speaking, he's growing. His legs are growing. He's growing. He's, he's not, he's growing out of that scrawny, skinny body. When, when, when he, when he gets out of that, when he, I can't even say, when he, when he gets into that grown man, that grown man strength that yeah. he's growing into right now, oh, it's going to be a different story. It's going to be a different story. And then, you know, honestly speaking, I think he's even holding something back on the ground. I think he even has some work on the ground. But to say it can compete with John right now, not right now. And I think he's smart. He's very smart because he knows this. He knows that he can bide his time. He knows that time is on his side. Time is not on John's side. Yeah. That's, you see what I'm saying? I think that's, and that, and that's, I think that's, and that's what he's thing. going for here. But that's that's what he should do because he's making a smart move. Because what he's doing is he's cleaning off his plate. And he's not going to let anybody else who may eat off of his plate see anything that they may not be, you know, they, they, may, they may not work themselves to see. By that I mean this. There's no way he's going to go and fight John Jones, who's at another skill level. And then John Jones may expose whatever holes that he may have and then he goes back down to fight these guys and then they they see what john jones did and then now now they exploit those weaknesses you know what i'm saying so at the end of the day israel smart man stay there and just shine and just keep being this guy keep going out there and being this dude yeah i the only thing i'll say is i i don't know about the wrestling game i maybe you're right about that that he's just hiding it he's been working on it privately but with the kickboxing background he's got, his gym at City MMA in New Zealand is a kickboxing specialty. I want to see it. I, I want to see him. That's one of the things is like, we're talking about the Paulo Costa fight. That There's nothing different to me about that. Like, that's just another brawl for him. But get him in there against a Yoel Romero or a Kelvin Gaslam if, if they make that fight again and make and have Kelvin force him into a wrestling match because I want to see what he has on the ground. Because at this point, he hasn't been challenged there, right? Like, and it's the same thing that we had with Conor McGregor. Right. In the beginning of his career, we didn't see him get challenged until the Chad Mendes fight. And Chad Mendes dominated Conor on the ground for the first two rounds of that fight before he got gassed and flipped over and, and knocked out. So I want to see it. I, I want to see the full game. I think you might be right that he might have the full complement, but right now all we've seen is that kickboxing base. But besides besides Habib, besides Habib and a few others in his camp, who else goes out there? And, and use their wrestling like that. Not in, not in, in 205, it doesn't exist. Yeah. 185, right. it doesn't exist. You uh, know, so, uh, Gregor Gillespie. Gillespie okay. does it. He does it, but he doesn't do it as a fit, like yeah. at the level. You know what I'm saying? At that level, at that high level as a Habib. If there was like a Habib in the weight class, then it would be interesting to see what a style bender does because that kind of pressure coupled with the fact that he's going to get him down and Style Bender is going to have to exert a lot of energy in places where he's not used to. That gets you fatigued. Yeah. Then it, it'd be a different style of fight. But 
I don't see anybody in that weight class being able to do that to him. You need a Damian Maya type to jump up to 185 yeah, and challenge yeah, him with that kind of sure. base. So, uh, moving through the rest of the card, anything else really jump out at you? Dan Hooker looked good against oh, Ali Aquinta. Dan Hooker was a sharpshooter, man, and it was scary because, you know, you've seen, you seen Hooker rise and then you've seen him struggle, and then you've seen him just kind of get back to just, oh, you've seen him learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it seemed as though like he just took the, the little losses and really grew from them, took them hard and grew, and now you see uh, the skill level that he has with those amazing sharp shots, being able to find it in movement, in transition, Amazing work. Yeah, I mean, that Edson Barbosa loss, I think, was the best thing for him. Like, getting humbled like that with those body kicks that Edson landed and then figuring out the rest of his game. He he needed something to get him back to the drawing board, and and it's paid off in spades. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That was was amazing. How about about (laughs) Tai Tuivasa? Oh, man. Oh. (laughs) We were joking on Saturday, but, I mean, thinking about it more, what do you have for him in the UFC right now? Like, he's just kind of another guy. Like, he might need to go to like a Bellator or something. Nah, you know, here's the thing about it. Here's the thing. I think that he can still be one of those guys, one of those premier guys, because he he, he goes out there to fight. Mm-hmm. And anytime you got a guy that goes out there and he, you know what, I'm going to go out on my shield, that's somebody you want on your squad. But at the same time, now you got to let him develop a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like get him with some guys where he's going to, he's outmatching them. You know, he's a better striker. Than them, and he's going to be able to, you know, dominate them to build his confidence back up because he's still a young guy. And if you put him with too many guys that that can knock him out, then you end up ruining him. You know what I'm saying? And and you don't you don't get the best out of him. So I think they need to just kind of take him a little bit less with the skill level and, and get him with or with some better not skill level with just some better matchups as far as that 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 fit where he's the better striker. Yeah, it, it it's just tough, man. Like. They gave him a chance to be a star. Yeah, like, I know. they gave him the Junior Dos Santos fight probably before he was ready for it and he got knocked out. Then he got Blago Ivanov and just looked out of shape yeah. in that fight. And then this weekend, it just, it just didn't seem like it was there. And they gave him a wrestler who, who they thought he could stand up and strike with. And I, 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 ho- I hope you're right. I hope that they end up giving him a little bit lesser competition. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's tough, right? Like, I really like him, man. He's a fun dude. Fun. He he could be a Donald Cerrone for you if if he's able to to keep it together and keep and put some wins together because he wants to fight all the time. Yeah. But if yeah. you're not winning, it's tough to keep booking you. Well, so here's the thing about it. It, it. It's now now it's like this. Okay, the guy has a skill. He has a skill and he has the dog to fight. Now sometimes when you have a guy like this, as a coach, you gotta be like, listen, I got a I got a guy who loves to get in there and mix it up and brawl, but. Whenever you brawl, it's always a 50-50 chance that you're going to come out on the receiving end of one of those punishing blows. Yeah. So in order to stack the odds a little bit, you have to find a fighting style that will be sufficient so you can sustain a fight. In a heavyweight weight class with a big guy like that, there's nothing wrong with the, 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 the big powerful shots and then the Cajun brawl. Randy Couture used it for a long time, but with a guy like Tai Tuivasa, he can roll and brawl and then disengage a little bit off, off the cage and then land some heavy shots then go back against the cage again. Yeah. And then that way, it's a style where he's able to still be exciting but then not take so many shots. Yeah. But and he, if he can use that kind of game plan, that's great. It's just this weekend, like... He might need to use a game plan because he, <laughs> he, might, he might not even be operating with a game that plan. That too, so... Um, and the only other thing I think of note was, uh, Jorgen DeCastro with that crazy knockout punch in the, in the first fight on the pay-per-view card. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that happen on a counter shot where a guy's rushing in, gets caught with a punch and just face plants straight down. That was, that kind of set up the night though. <laughs> it's kind of set up the night. It was like, wow. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that was an amazing punch, man. I, he, he's got a crazy backstory. I hope they start using that more and, and they give him another opportunity to give, get a showcase fight. Uh, if you like what you guys hear, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you get your fine audio listings on the state of combat. Uh, but Rashad, we got some stuff to talk about this week. So there's a little bit of news going around. Obviously, Habib is wanting to fight Tony. I think he said today that he's targeting that fight to be in Russia. They want to do, I guess, I don't know if UFC has talked about doing a pay-per-view in Russia, but he wants that to be early 2020 to get that fight done. 
And it sounds like GSP is starting to see if he can make this weight mm. for 155. He posted a picture on his Instagram of him doing a water cleanse or, or something like that where he was sitting in front of some sushi and he looked thin, like really thin. So what do you think about this? So up until this point, Dana White has said, no, 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 we're not doing that. Stop talking to me about GSP and Khabib. We're not, we're not booking him for another one-off fight where he drops the belt after. But now he's warming up to this idea. He sounds like if it's, if they want to do it, they're going to make it work. What do you think about this? Ah, oh, man. You know, here's the thing. I like the, the fun challenges like that when it's appropriate, like when there's really stagnation in the weight class, when there's really not much happening. But I think this weight class is as hot as it's ever been. And, and, and especially when you have a guy like Tony Ferguson waiting in the wings to, to fight Habib. I mean, they, they've, the, the fight has been scheduled four times, I believe, and it just never been, it's never went through. So. Yep. You know, at some point, I think that's the fight that you have to make before you make anything else or, or else you, you run the risk of, of losing the legitimacy of, of what the weight class truly means, you know? And, and at the weight class that is 155, that is honestly speaking one of the best weight class in the UFC. That's become an anchor weight class in the UFC it, when it comes it's to arguably the deepest in the division I mean, in the company and maybe arguably the deepest it's been since UFC started it's 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 huge it's entertaining it's the perfect weight where you see you know power you see speed and you see great technique you know what I'm saying these these guys are at the perfect size and they're entertaining so um I love GSP I'm a big GSP fan but I think that, you know, it just gums things up a little bit. If, if, um, now mind you, if something happened to Tony Ferguson while he was training and he couldn't fight or whatever case may be, then I can see something like that happen. But to offer that up first, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? Like it's a fight. I think that if you're looking to set some pay per view numbers up, that is definitely. A possibility like that would probably do 1.5 million buys. But here's the thing: I'm not even sure if that would even beat the Tony Ferguson draw because this, I think, the Tony Ferguson Habib fight is so anticipated. I think it does better than the GSP Habib fight, even though these guys are two major stars on you know two different continents. But ah, maybe I feel like Tony isn't there yet. I feel like the Habib star and the GSP star combined makes such a bigger draw for casual fans. Mm. Like, no, like most casual right, fans probably don't know who Tony is yet. That's true. That's true. So, that's true, that's true. and and it's gonna take at least getting this fight booked once <laughs> and working for them to know who Tony is. So that's my only reasoning for that the being GSP. a possibility. But let's say that G- the the Habib and Tony fight happens and Habib wins, then you book this fight. In April or, or July as a tentpole event. I mean, I, I don't see how that's not a huge pay-per-view day for UFC, regardless of the division. I, I, I've made this argument forever that they never should book that. They, that the middleweight division took a step backwards when they booked B, uh, Bisbing and GSP because first of all, Bisbing having the title was the problem <laughs> and then giving it to somebody or, or GSP winning it. And then vacating set the division just back because you just didn't really have a number one person at that point. Even though Robert Whitaker had won the interim belt over Yoel, that was fine. But it was just a whole bad situation. And now it's finally back to figuring itself out, right? Like right. after two years, we had finally have some stability yeah. at 185. So the possibility of GSP winning the belt in next year and then dropping just feels like you're going to set the division back, back two you, years right. for a quick payday from a bunch of pay-per-view buys. Right. So. And then you have to think, you know, what would the pay-per-view buys would have been if you didn't even do it and mess the division up? Yep. The convoluted. Like if you do, if you do Habib, Tony next, and then it's Habib, Connor, yeah. or Habib, Dustin again. Right. You know, if, if it's just something like that where you, you would still get a lot of money out of it, no matter what. Right, absolutely. So. I agree. It, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm interested in the fact that Dana is now sounding like he's open to it. I'm wondering if that's an agent thing at play where an agent finally got in his ear and was like, hey, you could probably make a lot of money off of this fight. But 
we'll see what happens. It, it, it's an interesting time for the 155 division, just given all of the names that are hunting right now and looking to make their way up. Absolutely. Kevin Lee's coming back now. He's fighting, uh, uh, I mentioned him earlier, Gregor Gillespie at 155. Yeah, and, and, and uh, he's training with GSP now. Really? Yeah, he's training with GSP at a TriStar. So that, I mean, there's still, there's just a lot of interesting movement. Plus, so Dan Hooker wins on Saturday night, calls out Dustin Poirier mm. for a fight in New Zealand in 2020, and Dustin replies, I'm fighting the Irishman, but keep punching up, son. Basically, he basically sunned him on Twitter. Right. So if they make Dustin versus Connor, do you think that the winner of that is next in line for a title shot, depending on what happens with Tony and Habib? I think so. I think it would have to be just because of the fact that, you know, you you have to keep an, an upper echelon have these guys kind of stay there until yeah. they prove that they can't compete in that upper circle anymore. And I think that you have to keep Connor in the conversation. The minute you start letting Connor fight people that are not in that upper echelon, that means you ruin the value of Connor. Yeah. And you can't do that right now because, uh, I mean, even though Israel has definitely got some style points when it comes to being that guy, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have that that nation that Connor has. You know, I mean, Connor has a force behind him. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maybe Israel star will get like that with two two countries behind him with New Zealand with uh, New Zealand <laughs> and uh, and Nigeria. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you know. Israel fandom would, would grow like that, where the fans come out in numbers like that. But Connor just has a movement with him, you know. And um, I, I think you need to, to to cater to that in the sense of you on the money making side, you know what I'm saying? If that's what you want to do. But uh, as a competing side, Connor needs um, he he, need, he needs to get one. He needs to get one, you know. And this is a great fight because you know he's already got one over over Dustin Poirier. So it, it's it's a fight where he knows that. You know he can win, and believe it or not, it's still in you know Boyer's uh, mind yeah. about what happened. You know, so that right there is going to be a huge sell because the amount of ish that's going to be talked to this leading up to this fight <laughs> is going to be amazing. Plus, you've also got Justin Gaethje waiting in the wings oh for, my for either of those fights. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I even forgot about Justin Gaethje. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like I said, this is probably as deep a division as we've ever had I in UFC. Yeah, it, yeah, it's cl- it's up there with the light heavyweight division in your era. So, bringing Connor back into the situation, obviously that that incident with the bar where he punched a patron in ireland mm. he's now been charged we'll see what happens it's probably one of those situations where he pays a fine it's i think it was like two grand or something in fines from the police and he ends up walking away after that but it's it's just another bad look for him you were talking about the john jones bad looks with his um out of the ring an- antics and incidents connor's racking them up now too yeah and, and these are the kind of things that that takes away uh that fighting spirit, that that things that that make fighting easy, these are the kind of things that take it away. Because when you bring in things like this, it 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 puts such a bad negative stain on something you love that you end up kind of, oh man, I don't want to even deal with that because, and you kind of start going away from it just because you start to associate, you know, the 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 sport. With all the negativity that has been, you know, brought to you mm-hmm. because of your actions, you know, and it, and it becomes a bit of a discontentment between you and 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 I guess you know everyone else. Yeah. And I think that's what Connor may be feeling on him versus everyone else, and he doesn't really know, you know, how much people, you know, he who can he can really trust. Even you know, probably even in a circle, he's probably like, yeah, they got my back, but do they really? You know, I'm sure he probably questions that, you know, yeah. and. uh but I, I mean, for a guy like Connor, if you want to get back to where you were at, there has to be that same kind of discipline that got you there. When Connor was, you know, climbing up in the ranks, there was no one more disciplined than he was. You know, he, he, he's you've you seen him in a gym. You've you seen him, you know, constantly just having his mind around becoming champion, around achieving what he wanted to do. You know, and that's why he got it. But now it's it's in a different phase because it's not natural. It's not natural to have, you know, so many millions of people adore you for no apparent reason at all. And you're just you. And and sometimes having all that money and all that attention, 
it's hard to handle just because of the fact that, you know, you realize that people with money can do things that people without money can't do. You know what I'm saying? And, and that kind of spoiling of your nature, it spoils your nature. Yeah. You know, and you, you're seeing that right now. His nature is being spoiled just because of the fact that he's been able to 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 have so much, you know. And did you did you watch his documentary he put out? The no, the notorious. So what you're saying makes so much sense with him, especially because he's a dude from Crumlin in, in Ireland. He had nothing. They they were bouncing rent checks to his landlord because they just didn't have the money because I think he said this before. He was a plumber in Ireland just before he got into fighting. Mm-hmm. He he had nothing. Mm-hmm. It was him and his and, and his girlfriend, I don't know if they're wife now, but D. Devlin and yeah. and they there's video of him watching his own highlights from Cage Warriors back in the day and just like how crazy it was when he got the call from Dana White to come to UFC because it meant he could get out of that 400 square foot apartment in Ireland and actually make a life for himself. So it's like, it's not that he needs to get back to that, but he needs to get that tight circle. Like you were saying, like he needs to just get to the point where it it, it matters to him again. But see, here's the thing about it. Like get back, getting back to that doesn't necessarily mean he has to get back to that poverty, but being broke does something to your mindset. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? When, When you are broke and when you don't have, it does something crazy to your mindset, especially when you don't want to be there. And when you don't want to be there, that broke mindset, it motivates you to do much more. So if he can get that mindset back, then we're looking at a Connor who just reinvented himself. Without that, we're going to look at a story to be like, dang, he had it all. Well, that's the thing like that Chael Sonnen like, like hints at a lot, right? Is that in the lead up to Mayweather McGregor, he he kept, he kept saying Connor's gonna go broke. The way that he's spending, the way that he posts on Instagram, and, and how he's living this lavish lifestyle now, he thinks he's gonna go broke. And if he actually, if if he gets to that point in his life, maybe we do see a different Connor that that's actually motivated to get out of that again and and get back to what he he had earned. But I don't know. I I, I want to see I we want to see him fight again. We want to see the superstar right. actions again. But it's it, it it's a different mindset, like and you then, said. It's a different mindset, and then you know to think, you know, I I don't know what he does in his personal life, but there's a lifestyle that comes with all of that, right? You know, and and with all of that lifestyle, it drains you in many ways. It takes some of your fighting life out of you because, you know, staying up late, hanging out, partying, and doing the things that you do when you party, that is not good for your body. And all those things start to chip away at those attributes, all those things that make, you know, him, him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That that one big left-hand quitter, a left-hand quitter, which the old man ate. <laughs> so maybe the left-hand quitter ain't a left-hand quitter no more. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so man. that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what we see. I mean, are we watching the, deter- the deterioration of Conor McGregor right there in front of our yep. eyes? Where he, where, he, ate it. where he just, the power is gone. <laughs> oh man. Uh, please don't, don't get into more trouble, Connor. Nah, just no, please no, don't get don't any do more it. trouble. Don't do it. All right. Before we get to the weekend preview for UFC Tampa this week, I wanted to, to talk with you a little bit about this since you, t- you touched on it with the Israel conversation that you think he's the biggest star right now. But if you yourself were to put together a pound for pound top five, just who you think are the five pound for pound best in UFC today, regardless of championship belt, regardless of, of current status, mm. what would you say are your five top fighters? Top five, five. That's a tough question. The ones that are obviously always at the top right now are Habib and John Jones. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian actually made the case for Stipe being in that, that third slot now with his win over DC in the, in the rematch. But the rest of that, Kind of feels up for debate. You, I feel like you would probably put Israel in the top five right now. Yeah, I, I, you definitely got to put Israel in the top five, but you can't forget about Triple C. Yeah, you can't oh, forget. God. Listen, listen, that you call listen. that you're calling him Triple C yes, makes me cringe. Yes, yes, I'm cringing by saying, <laughs> listen, the cringe is real, man. The cringe is real, and what the cringe did is real. Even though, even though he listen, he jokes around, and, and sometimes he's corny. He loves being corny, and I love that about him. But here's the thing about it. the cringe is real and what he did is real. Now you have the cringe, you have the cringe. <laughs> you, have, you have you have Habib, you know, you, you have John, John Jones. Jones. Yep. Uh would dang. you put Stipe? Man, you gotta put Stipe. You have to put Stipe. 
And then you got Israel. And then you got Israel. So that's got to be. So you five. do you think well, that that in no order there? Yeah, no order. Would you say in a hypothetical pound for pound where weight classes are equal, Habib is better than than Sahuda? You say if yeah, yeah, if yeah, they yeah, were yeah, myth, yeah. if they were hypothetically right. the same weight, yeah. Do you think Habib would beat Sahuda? I think so. I, I, here's the thing: I, I don't think I don't think a lot of people beats Habib if he's there that size. Yeah. Just because of just because of how how dominant he is with that ground, like like a lot of people don't understand how good he is on the ground. Like when you know Luke Rockhold is one of the one a really really good grappler, and Luke is like, "Yo, Habib is something different on the ground." You yeah. know, and watching him roll around, you know, you you can see that he's something different. So if he was the size of a John Jones or the size of a Stipe. I don't know if those guys will be able to get him up off. <laughs> it, it's it's always an interesting debate to have, just because it's it's if John keeps him or if if Habib is able to get John to the ground, right? Like right. because John's physical size is really tough to wrestle with. That's why DC had so many problems with it, even being the Olympic class wrestler that he is. Like John was able to take him down, right? You know, so. I would be interested to see how that works out if Habib is even able to get it to the ground or if John just keeps him on his feet and then just kind of takes him apart with those uh what do you call them the 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 check kicks those. when he kicks him on the on the quad mm-hmm. so I, I don't know I you I'm, know you know what my uncle would say he would say if if was a fifth we'd all be drunk <laughs> <laughs> but that's that, that's part yeah, of the debate you know it, it, it's it's interesting it's so interesting. you would put Israel probably number five. Right, I, I I will put him. I will put him. Yeah, probably probably higher than number five. So above Stipe, most likely. Yeah, above Stipe. All right. Do you think in a hypothetical he would, if they were the same weight, he beats Cejudo? Like yeah. if 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 Cejudo was yeah. one eighty five with the same skill set. Yeah. So you'd have him three. <laughs> I think we're gonna get to the point where he's number one for you. Wait, wait. You know what? Because Cejudo has that wrestling, mm-hmm. that inside trip. I think that will give Israel some problems. Okay, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting <laughs> because but, the size it kind of throws everything off. You know what right. I'm saying? Because the size has so much to do with how they fight mm-hmm. and how and how they use their size. You know what I'm saying? And we saw in in Cejudo, younger Cejudo, when he fought Demetrius Johnson the first time, just got took it, taken apart by the wrestling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like even him as being the Olympic wrestler. He yeah. got destroyed in that first fight yeah. and then came back and was able to win a split decision that BC still argues he didn't win. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Let's get into the weekend coming up. That's Rashad, good. you have a lot of love for this fight. Joanna, mm-hmm. Jacek, and Michelle Watterson. This is kind of a crossroads fight, right? Like both of them need this win to if they want to keep this status of being a top five or potential title contender – Joanna is hasn't won a fight in a very long time, surprisingly. What is your take on how this looks is as a straight matchup perspective? I, th- I think the pressure is on Joanna more than it is on Michelle, being the old, you know, tighter title defender in this weight class, the mm-hmm. old champion in this weight class. You know, she has a sense of ownership in this weight class. So for her, um, you know, she's she's expected to rise to the occasion. Whereas Michelle, we're, we're just kind of seeing how legit she is. You know what I'm saying? She, we're still in this phase of seeing how legit she is because she has looked great in the last few performances, but it's like, all right, she's, she's looking like she definitely is in the, is in the conversation for a title, but is she really title certified? And this is that fight to say that. So going into that dynamic, you see two fighters fighting from two point of mental point of views. One, you know, from a from a standpoint where it's like I have to get this win, you know, in, in much more of a desperate situation. In the Michelle situation, she's more or less fighting to prove, you know, I am at this level. I can do this. You know, this is this is I should not have been passed up for that title shot. I am the champion. You know, all those things. And you see that in her energy. You see that in her her body. Michelle, I've never seen Michelle with abs like that. Michelle posted a picture the other day. She had like a, a washboard abs and almost had striations in the side, you know. Jesus. And yeah, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, but I never seen Michelle Watterson 
look like that. You know, I've known her for a long time since old school Jackson. Yeah. But that's crazy just because she used to fight at 105, right? Yes. And she was never that shredded. Never that shredded. But now she's shredded. So now it looked like her training's on another level. And her, her, her coach is her husband, a boxer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the area where she's going to have to beat Joanna. That's the area where she's going to have to show the, the most gains. Because, look, Michelle has great karate kicks and everything like that. But if her boxing isn't on point, if she's not putting hands together and she's just and she's just trying to throw naked kicks by that I mean kicks without any punches in mm-hmm. front of them yeah then she's going to get sat down by Joanna because Joanna's hands move so fast and she always puts her hands and feet together with such a dynamic way yeah that's the thing right is like Joanna's uh almost intimidation factor yeah. with that lead jab is what has won her so many fights in her career where she just puts that pressure on you from the opening bell, and she makes you figure out what your game plan is going to be because she already knows how she's going to win. Yeah. She's going to she's going to touch you with the jab, keep you guessing on what's coming behind it, and then just keep keep landing, pumping the jab, and then body shots, and then leg kicks. So, I'm interested to see if, if that boxing game is going to be there for Michelle because she's going to need it in this kind of fight. Yeah, she, she's going to need it, and she's also going to need to, you know, like the same thing I said with Robert Whitaker. He's gonna. She's gonna have to show uh, JJ that she's on the hunt, that she's looking to attack, that she's you know got some tricks up her sleeve, and she's trying to cage JJ. Because if she doesn't, Young Jacek is gonna walk her down, and that's what Young Jacek does so well. She walks her down. But the fight where you see uh, when she lost the belt against Rose Namajunas was a fight that where she got walked down by Rose. And that's when you've seen her getting caught at the inside, the outside of those punches. So that's what Michelle's going to have to use. She's going to have to take the lead of the dance with her fakes, with her movement, with her pop and jab, with her, you know, whatever the case may be to get in her natural movement. But it has to be her natural movement. Her natural movement will give Joanna a bit pause, and she's not going to be able to bust off through her. Now... Obviously, this is a big fight for Michelle. She's won, I think, three or four fights in a row now since losing that decision to Tisha Torres in 2017. But this is this is a step up for her. Yeah. My biggest question, though, is on the other side for Joanna. She hasn't won a fight mm-hmm. since 2017 since she beat um, uh, Jessica Andrade. Do you wonder about the confidence of Joanna coming into this fight where she hasn't had her hand raised in so long? And she's always been that kind of a front runner, you know, where she she's always been the champion. She's always won these big fights. And now she's kind of coming in with a chip on her shoulder after losing it at a flyweight fight that really didn't seem to make sense to anybody else. And she's coming back to 115. Do you worry about her confidence level coming in? Well, it's definitely a different walk for Joanna. But I think this walk kind of strengthened her a little bit. You know, if you remember how she was before, you know, she, she would use a lot of intimidation to get in her opponent's head before fights, getting in her face and all those things. And it was kind of like a bully tactic and mm-hmm. it worked a lot. But what happened was she, that bully got silenced, that bully got humbled, that bully got embarrassed, you know? And, and then whenever something like that happens, you have to rebuild yourself differently and you have to rebuild yourself in a way where your fuel is not predicated on you being that bully. And I think that's what she had to learn. She had to learn that my confidence doesn't come from how much that I go out there and means faces and all that other stuff. It comes from all these other things that I may have not been working on, that I may have been neglecting. And it seems now that she's working on those things. It seems now that she's gotten those the excitement back because I, I follow her on social media. So I follow her training regimen. And I can tell when a fighter is in a certain place just by the way they train and with, you know her energy level. So mm-hmm. she seems to be in that good place. But here's another thing. When you've lost three, four fights in a row and it's been a long time since you have your hand raised, it, it does get hard. It does get hard because now that fight that used to be easy, it brings a little bit extra baggage. It brings a little bit more fear tied to it mm-hmm. because you, 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 you're trying not to look over that, 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 that elephant in the corner to see that, you know, yeah, man, I, I did lose three and four in a row, and I am taking that in me with this fight, but I'm not worried about it. 
but you you are it's in yeah. the back of your mind you know the doubt the doubt is there the doubt is there but it's when you when you accept it when you accept it and be like yeah you know what i don't know what's going to happen i may win i may not but when you fully fully accept it and be like it is what it is then you're able to fight a little bit free and find that flow to be able to let your hands go to be able to let your feet go because winning and losing in the middle of both of them there's a point where you you don't care about either you just competing mm-hmm. and when you get to the point where you don't care about either and you're just going as hard as you can then you're competing then you're then you are on a way to winning because you become about execution and it changes your mindset over you know we just got so deep. I mean, that was that was intense. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really mean to get that deep. There. <laughs> but that was great. No, that I mean, that's that's perfect. That, that it makes so much sense when you're when you're an athlete on that level, and the wins and losses are important. But it's as long as you play to your game plan and you execute the way that you expected yourself to execute, that makes so much sense. Yeah, like that's more important in your head. That should be anyway to most athletes more important than the win or loss. It should be. Did I did I do as best as I thought I could going into this fight? Did I give it all that I could? Did I have the right strategy? Like it, it's all of those things. Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's what it's all about. Like whenever um, I would find myself thinking about losing, I wasn't thinking about executing. But when I was thinking about executing, I wasn't thinking about losing. Right. It may, I mean, it makes total sense. Now, I won't ask you for a pick here. You've, you've obviously got, <laughs> you've obviously got some friendships in, involved in this fight. But I mean, what do you think ends up being the biggest factor here? Do you think it's going to be about Michelle and being able to box, or is it going to be if she can get Joanna to the ground? Yeah, it's going to be. It's about, about how does Michelle handles Joanna's pressure? That pressure coming forward. How does she handle that jab? And uh, Michelle's going to have to be defensively responsible in boxing, but she's also going to have to be defensively. Um, um, I mean, offensively countering whenever she's in those positions because Ioana may get off first, but she's gonna be able to. She's gonna have to be able to take back over that momentum. So when whenever Ioana starts getting off first with the with the fast jab or whatever she does, Michelle's gonna have to use her legs to break away, mm-hmm. shake out. You get her motion going back again, and then start shaking and moving, getting back in and trying to get Ioana in her trick bag because that's what it's all about. If I if I enter uh, uh, a striking zone with my opponent and I'm not ready to strike yet, but I can see that he is, and I'm and I'm biting for his fakes and his and his and his stuff like that, I'm probably gonna get caught with a punch pretty soon. So I'm gonna disengage and move around a little bit and then come back in, and then I'm gonna start off the movement where he's looking at me. That's what Michelle's gonna have to do. She's going to have to do a lot of that. She's going to have to use her legs. She's going to have to use all of those things because part of unraveling a Ioana is is getting her to get frustrated. Ioana's a very emotional person. Mm-hmm. Use that. Get her frustrated. Get her get her doing all those things. When she gets emotional, then she doesn't fight so clear. Yeah. And I think you saw that in in the Valentina Shevchenko fight where Absolutely. she got so frustrated with not being able to find the range on Valentina with her kicks and her and her jab that she just lost her game plan. And, and Valentina took her apart with that. She she just took the counter shots that were available and and took the fight on points. And I think you could look at a similar situation this weekend. I I want to see Michelle really perform well, like you said. I I really think this is a big opportunity for her. I think she could be the next person in line for a title shot. I, I I said it to start this conversation. I think the winner of this fight is probably next in line to take on the champion now. And it'll be interesting because I think both of them prov- provide an interesting, a tough challenge for Wei Li Zong in the next fight if, if that's what they end up doing. I'm going to go with Michelle probably by decision. I think this is going to be a really close fight, though. I think this is one of those where it ends up being like a split decision because – they're both going to have their moments where they look really good, but it's going to be a five round war between them. Yeah. What, what, what I see that, um, Michelle's going to have to do and what I've seen that she's has been doing. And I think this has been the change in her game is now Michelle has embraced the grind a little bit more and got, and got a little bit more grittier and 
that's what she was missing. She was missing that 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 ugliness in in there sometimes. That just willingness to go out there and get down and dirty. You know what I'm saying? And and I think now she's found that grind. You know, and I think that she's gonna have to use that against somebody like Ioana, who's going to put that pressure on. And I think that's where you know we're gonna see who's a better fighter, who's going out there, and who's able to meet that pressure head to head. Because the truth of the matter is, Michelle has great kicks. Yuana has great boxing and <laughs> kick and kicks too. Oh my gosh. It's gonna be a great fight. It's gonna be a great fight, no doubt. Also on this card, Kron Gracie is back. He's taking on Cub Swanson mm. in the co main event. I'm interested to see what he looks like here because he's got the whole jujitsu game. He I I think this is a good showcase opportunity for him. I feel bad that they're using Cub in this situation because Cub hasn't gotten a win either in a very long time. And he look, he didn't look terrible in his last fight, but this is obviously like a setup situation to get Kron some more star power. It can be, or it can be a comeback for Swanson. Here's why I say it could be a comeback because of the fact that when you look at this fight, Swanson is well rounded and he's been in the UFC for a long time and he's mm-hmm. fought the who's who. And you don't fight the who's who of the, of the UFC and get to the level you've been to without having the ability to survive on the ground with high-level jiu-jitsu guys. So we know that he's going to be able to survive in, in, in at least bit. You know what I'm saying? But I think the stand-up is where the biggest despair is. And I think that Cub has that that, that advantage. You know, Kron, he, he's still working on the stand-up. still doesn't have that smooth transition when it comes from punching to takedowns and everything in between that you're going to need to go with somebody that's a high-level guy like like Cub Swanson. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good opportunity for Cub to just kind of show that, yeah, I may have took a little break. You know, life got busy. I had a few babies, but, you know, I still got it. I still got it. And and I, and I think that for Kron, you know, th- this is this is one for him that he shows that where, where he's gotten better at because he does train at that – that gym and um you know with, with the diaz brothers you know diaz brothers they have that amazing pressure and that amazing boxing so at some point that has to rub off on cron maybe this is the fight where we see that i hope you're right i hope that's that that's what we see i hope we see another level to the cron game here because his first fight with um i can't why is his name escaping me right now bruce leroy uh last year he just he was straight wrestling he didn't yeah. really do any of the stand-up or boxing It'll be, but, it'll be tough. Just but, as, because. but as a fighter, as a fighter, so I look at things like that because that's a guy I'm like, oh yeah, I'll fight him for sure. Because I can tell that he doesn't really feel comfortable striking. Yeah. I can tell just by the way he moves, the way he holds his hands, that he doesn't feel comfortable striking. So that's a guy that you would want to fight. You know, that's a guy that I would like to fight. So, um, if he's got, if he's closed the gap of that a little bit, you know, got, and, and here's the thing about it. it it's, when when you're like a cron, like and your stand-up is not as fluid with the transitions, maybe that's just a sh- few shadow boxing or just you know repetitions and time with your movement that can kind of alleviate that look and give you the kind of look that makes it look like you're going to strike, but you're really trying to wrestle. Yeah, Cub is on a four-fight losing streak coming in, but it's against the elite of the elite in the division. I mean, he lost to Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar. Hanato Moicano and then Shane Burgos in May. His last win over Artem Lobov, <laughs> a funny name for those fans out there. But he's all—he's like you said, he's an all-action fighter. He's always a fan-friendly fighter. So I, I hope that this fight delivers that kind of momentum for him and and for Kron. Also on this card, Mackenzie Dern is back. I think like six months after giving birth to her first child. This is this is going to be a weird I situation. I didn't even know Mackenzie was pregnant. Yeah. That, was, that happened out of nowhere. That was quick too. Because <laughs> I, here's the, I remember, I remember I did a, uh, a Metro PC, PCS show with her yeah. or something like that. And she didn't look pregnant, but she had to have been like super pregnant then. But yeah, I guess she, I think it was, I want to say she gave birth in like, April maybe? Wow. And then she just like got right back into camp because she wanted to fight again. It wow. <laughs> crazy timing. But she's got a chance again. How does she how does she do that though? I, I'm like, not I'm not gonna ask any questions. No, but I'm saying like it wow. 
Like you have the baby, all right, I have a baby a few months. It takes a few months to recover, and then you just jump into camp. Yeah. Like like right after. Right after, like, all right, I'm a my stomach just healed. I'm gonna get punched in the stomach. That's crazy. Mackenzie, hey, women More power to you, man. Listen, listen, women in MMA, they they amaze me all the time. It is wow. It'll be interesting to see her in a showcase opportunity. Eric, your boy Anders is back against Gerald. Mary, I can never say his Mershot. last name. Mershot. And it's a good opportunity for James Vick. This will be his first fight at 170 after his long losing streak at 155. He detailed his tough, his tough times with the weight cut. I want to see what he looks like now. Hoping for a rejuvenated. Hopefully he had a hard reset here. I want to see him perform well. I mean, he's, he's got a tough one in Nico Price because listen, Nico's one of those guys who is so hard to fight. Because he's kind of weird, you know what I'm saying? He, he fights, he doesn't do everything everybody else does, you know? And when somebody fights like that, they're very dangerous, you know? But one thing about Nico is the fact that you can get him out of the fight because sometimes Nico plays too much in the fight, you know what I'm saying? Nico be out there playing around a little too much, you know? And, and he gets unfocused. <laughs> but a focused Nico is, is a dangerous Nico. And, and I think James has a focused Nico in front of him. He was a little like that in his last fight against Jeff Neal. I want to say that was in May or June where he had an opportunity in a showcase fight and just playing around, playing around, just yeah. got caught. Uh, I don't think there's much else going on on this card this week. Um, anything else you want to get to, man? No, nah, I, I think, I mean, I think we covered it. I mean, I, I think we talked about Stabbinner. <laughs> <laughs> we need to give him some more love. That's, yeah, that's what he needs today. I know, more hype. If you got any questions for us or for Rashad, we're starting a new hashtag this week. Uh, rolling with Rashad. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, wherever you want to find us. I'm at BrandonY65, at SugarRashadEvans on Twitter. Hit us up at State of Combat as well. Thank you to Rashad. BC will be back next week. Hopefully he's not hungover still because he's still drinking them damn pina coladas. He's, he he wants hey, to tell me about what? these drinks, but he, he won't tell me about these fights. He better stop drinking those <laughs> drinks at, the, at those resorts. You know they use bad alcohol there, right? That's oh. why people... I'm telling you, oh, people no. get sick all the time. Bro. Oh, God. And he's, I think he did a resort package, too. Oh, you can't do that. You, you got to bring... <laughs> Cheap liquor's bad. He, he's gonna he's gonna be in a bad place when he gets back to Connecticut next week. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Catch us next week. We are out.